and welcome to another episode of Consumer, the European podcast of the Consumer Choice Center. As always, I'm your host, Bill Woods, joined today again by Fabio Fernandez. Fabio, um, how are you doing? How's it going? Hi, Bill. Thanks for having me again. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I'm, I'm doing okay. I apologize to the listeners today for my voice because I'm recovering from COVID and I'll do my best not to not to sound too nasal, but uh, doing good now. Uh, how, are about, how about you? Um, I'm, I'm good. I think I still didn't have COVID. Um, and uh, well, eventually you can do these tests, I guess, to find out. I don't know how long those stretch back and if you get like a timestamp, I don't know what the point is for those anyway. Um, but yeah, COVID. Uh, so because you were on a trip to Brazil, so you, you, you think you probably picked it up there do, do they tell you how does that work because actually uh, on this podcast we've never actually talked specifically about like having covid and so how did you, you had a, you had a test done or you felt bad and then you did a test and what did they tell you after you do the test how does it work no actually uh i started feeling bad after i arrived so the the next day the following day uh and i went to the pharmacy i bought uh, the test to do at home and i tested positive so that's when I started taking some medicines. So the next couple of days, I felt really bad. So I called my doctor uh, and then she prescribed a little bit of antibiotics and some some things to, to help me with some of the symptoms. And yeah, it's seven days now. Uh, so yeah, feeling feeling better. But that's how it went. So uh, I tested today and it was negative. So I did the same, went to the pharmacy, bought the test. I didn't do any of those uh, official tests. Uh, also because the, the pharmacy test is pretty accurate nowadays. So, um, I, I thought that was enough for me. And how's that for the requirements? Because, you know, you're, you are in Italy now. And, um, so, so is it still like, do you get a government thing? You still have to quarantine? Or is that something you have to, you can just decide by yourself? How does that work now legally? I think if I went to the doctor and I had the official test, I would have to, uh, quarantine. I did a self-isolation, so I didn't went out uh, i just was conscious about the, the situation uh but yeah i, I didn't think it was uh, anything else that i could do uh besides staying at home and trying to recover well we are glad that you're feeling better uh and for the listeners this is episode 75 of may 26 2022 you can also listen to us on podcasting 2.0 you can use the apps of fountain or breeze and you can also donate with cryptocurrencies or donate with the classic uh, uh, fiat money, whatever it's worth, and now these days anymore, you can do that at <laughs> consumerchoicecenter.org slash donate. Well, to be fair, we could say that about crypto as well these days. With a bit of a dip, I don't know, I might buy the dip. Also, Fabio uh, is the host of Liberdade para Escorer. Uh, so, sorry for butchering Perfect that Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> that is our Portuguese podcast at the Consumer Choice Center. So, for those of you who speak Portuguese, or if you know people who speak Portuguese, you can listen to Fabio regularly on uh, wherever you're listening to right now. Uh, we are present as well. Uh, Fabio, we mentioned COVID just now, but it seems that you're a bit late on the trend of diseases because we already upgraded and we have a new disease now that you got to catch. So I think, uh, you know, the, getting COVID is a bit 2020. We have monkeypox now. Uh, Fabio, are you worried about monkeypox? Uh, no, not at all. From what I heard is a very, um, it's, it's a very nasty disease in the sense that you have those eruptions in your body. Uh, so it's a very bad virus to, to get, but uh, to get it, in order to get it, you need to have close proximity with people. Uh, it was apparently from um, a weird sex party in Belgium where, where it started spreading. Oh, boy. Uh, not, not sure about the whole story there, but uh, I'm, I'm not concerned at this point about um, being in contact with people that, that might have 
uh, monkeypox. So people shouldn't be worried uh, if they are not in the risk situation. So being in contact with people that might have been in, in those uh, regions or in contact with someone that might have some, some weird skin condition right now. Uh, but and how about you? Do you think that that you're worried about getting monkeypox? I, I the, the only thing I love about the, this new disease is the memes because uh, <laughs> there, there's a really good one of COVID showing monkeypox around, showing the world how it works, where the, the, where it should go and enjoy itself while while it lasts a little bit. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I think, I mean, the memes are usually good in anything, whether it's the crypto dip, the crisis. I mean, the memes really, they keep us going. Um, am I worried about monkeypox? I, I, I mean, I, don't, I know very little about this disease for now. I mean, I remember that when, was it 2014? Like, at that point, I was like, very worried about Ebola, but I think all of us were, like, that Ebola was a thing. And then people explained to us, like, well, I mean, you technically need to be around a dead person who had Ebola for quite a while in order to catch it. Um, there seems to be, and I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, people people know this who listen to podcasts. Like, I'm not a I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. But uh, the way I understand it, the disease can either be um, easily transmissible or very deadly. Um, it can't be both at the same time, or at least it's very rarely both at the same time. Even if you take like the bubonic plague, um, if you apply that to like modern standards of like you know, hygiene standards, the way that we have bathrooms in our flats now, we don't do it in the streets and we wash our hands and all, this, all of these things. If you apply sort of the modern standard of hygiene, um, then it's very unlikely that, that, you know, that we would have a very infectious disease that also is very deadly. And I mean, we see in crisis zones, and, and, and I know that, you know, the, the, unfortunately, the war in Ukraine still going on, there is this risk of cholera. In crisis zones where you don't have the fresh water, you don't have the infrastructure running properly, then you can have these issues. And, and it, it appears to be that in case of monkeypox, um, uh, this was specifically a problem in Central and Eastern Africa. This is not to diminish that, that effect, but it's also sort of the, 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 the context. But interestingly, this is sort of the biggest um, uh, outbreak of that particular disease in, in quite a long time. 250 cases reported in 16, I think it's almost 20 countries now, uh, says the World Health Organization. And um, but there's apparently the ish good news. We we will we will see um, how that develops because uh, of the similarity of this disease to uh, smallpox. The same drugs may be able to be used. The same medication might be able to be used. And uh, there again, I'm probably not going to be pronouncing that correctly, but it's medicine, so nobody can blame me. It's brinkidofovir and Tecovirimat. I really, they have to come up with better names for like medicines. <laughs> I just don't get it. Um, and uh, so those seem to at least help the patients um, who have that, have like sort of a, a better, like an, an easier development of their, of their disease. So there seems to be some similarities uh, here between smallpox and monkeypox. Also monkeypox being a, a considerably less severe disease than smallpox by comparison. Now, of course, the call for vaccines is, is out there. But I mean, as we found out with COVID, even if we speed up all the world's uh, uh, means and resources and both public and private uh, um, uh, efforts uh, to find a solution, it really does take time. Uh, so, so yeah, because you raised the question on uh, whether I'm worried. I, to me, and I'm not sure if you share this, Fabio, I'm worried we might take some similar steps compared to COVID, even though those diseases are very, very different. Uh, in sort of the public health response, and that might probably be uh, a lot more damaging. That's what I'm worried about. 
Yeah, so far what I've seen is uh, they are doing the right thing. So they are locking uh, only people that are uh, with the disease right now, which is the right thing to do, uh, isolating those people. And they are vaccinating people that uh, might be in contact of uh, or in, in close proximity with people that might spread the, the virus. So uh, I think those were the steps that we should have taken with COVID at the beginning instead of locking everybody, uh, locking down everybody. But uh, at this point, I think they are uh, they learned a little bit from, from the past pandemic. And as you said, this is less contagious. Uh, it's, it's much more concentrated in some regions. I think we have 200 cases in, in the world right now, so it's not a lot. Uh, and it doesn't spread. It doesn't seem to spread through air, or at least you need to be in very close proximity to spread through air. So it's very different from the coronavirus, and um, it should be treated differently, the, the, the actions and the measures that the government takes. Yeah, of course, the worry for me is also that, you know, we might be experiencing the exact opposite situation now, COVID not being as, like, we can treat it more seriously than, than it should have been. Maybe this might be a disease where we treat it less seriously than it should be, um, because, you know, government incompetence really has no bounds. And maybe this is a situation where we, uh, where we would need it. I mean, it's really hard to tell. And and I think with with uh, with sort of um, uh, civil liberties, we should always take the benefit of the doubt in favor of civil liberties approach. Um, uh, because, well, that is the difference essentially between um, our our system and uh, and uh, this Chinese system. Uh, so and that and that makes a great segue into the next topic. And that's something I know that you wanted to talk about on this podcast, Fabio. Um, so China has been uh, going back last from the past, early 2020, very severe lockdown. So what's the situation right now? I saw some news stories, Fabio. Uh, what's what's the situation now in China? So actually, it's a it's a mix of a good good news and uh, some concerning news. So the good news is that apparently Shanghai is finally lifting its lockdown after seven weeks. So it's expected by June first that China will finally ease uh, some of the the lockdowns, uh, especially the lockdown in Shanghai, and that puts into perspective the the China zero COVID policy, which is something that people have been criticizing for for years now, and. Uh, even though Shanghai is now the epicenter of this current COVID outbreak, uh, it's not alone. As you mentioned before the podcast, we were talking about it. Uh, there is full or partial lockdowns in around 45 Chinese cities right now, and it's affecting a quarter of the population and about 40% of the economy. So even the World Health Organization, which is very pro-lockdowns, as you know, uh, have asked China to review its zero uh, COVID policy because it's not working and it's very crippling for the economy. And uh, the lockdown, as we said, it, it's of course terrible for the economy because it forces shops, factories, everything to close, but it also has uh, a disruption effect on port operations. And Shanghai handles about a fifth of China's port volume. And since China accounts for 15% of the world merchandise exports, uh, we should expect shortages on manufactured goods in the next couple of months. And also they this will add a little bit to the existing global inflationary pressures. And the port of Shanghai is very important because it's the world's busiest in terms of container traffic. It's four times the volume handled by the port of Los Angeles in comparison. So it's a lot of containers go through that port. And it's also, also Shanghai is the largest GDP of all Chinese cities. It's about 4.32 trillion yuan, so $679 billion. And it's the third largest stock market globally by the volume of uh, companies traded there. 
So um, that's why the the global economy is looking closely to what's happening in China, particularly Shanghai, but all the other cities, because China is very important in the world economy, but also because this disruption in the supply chain, because we have many uh, five uh, Fortune 500 companies based in Shanghai, and a lot of production coming from China goes to the port of Shanghai. This is going to put more inflationary pressures because we have less products available, uh, higher prices. We've talked about here at the podcast many times about how this influence uh, inflation around the world, how inflation is uh, through the roofs. It's it's very high, but also uh, the price of containers we've talked about uh, in the past as well. So the price of container, I think, before the pandemic was $200 for a full container, and now it's over $10,000 for a container. So basically, uh, containers are not going uh, around. So if you need a container, for example, in Los Angeles, it's not arriving from Shanghai and the other way around because we have disruptions on the, all the supply chain, and that makes also goods more expensive for consumers. So I see two consequences for consumers. First of all, is shortages. And the second one is higher prices. And of course, when you have higher prices, you also have more inflation. So this is why it's so important for us to take a look right now uh, in what's happening in China. And as you said, how important it is to discuss this China zero COVID policy, especially now that we have so many people uh, vaccinated, as we know that it's not as deadly as we initially thought COVID would be. Uh, so it's time for us to... Uh, think about COVID as uh, a normal disease that we will have every year and we need to go on with our lives. Yeah, but Fabio, when the, when the COVID pandemic started, everybody kept telling me people are just going to spend their money later. It's not going to have any effect on the economy whatsoever. So I, I, I guess it should be fine. No, I'm of course joking. And I saw, I saw the maps. <laughs> there are these on Twitter. I saw these maps of the, the container ships being piled up around the Chinese uh, port cities. It's quite incredible if you think about it how intricate of a system that actually the, the the world economy and world supply chains really are and and i think i think you illustrated very well you know if you have a 200 dollar container or a 10000 dollar container okay of course like you have a lot of goods in these containers but you 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 put that down on the prices and and obviously on the wait times uh, depending on what you want to order on amazon right now i think your one day or same day or next day delivery that's not going to uh, be working out and for some goods that's not a big deal but for other goods it is really important including medical goods ah, we, we, I mean again we talked about monkeypox who knows what type of medical equipment we will need and where it will come from right so uh, so this is this this is a big part um, of that and, and I think it will also open another policy conversation on reliance on on, on on China right I mean how reliant are we on deliveries from China for certain products and I think it will do two things. Uh, I will again open this this debate as to um, how are we going to do this ourselves? Like some of the things, it just doesn't make sense, right? I mean, you, the same way you're not growing bananas in Norway, you bring them from somewhere else because it would, the energy cost to make banana, grow bananas in Norway is just you know extensive. Um, but, but then also, you know, so so how do we how do we achieve that? Do we some governments will say we'll have to subsidize our own industry to be able to produce certain goods, and others will say, well, we need to liberate the economy to be uh, to allow our our industry to do that. And for some goods, it just doesn't make sense because some countries are just not specialized, right? If you want to really have a good car being made, it's going to be made or at least engineered uh, in Germany and, and probably not in Italy. Um, a little dig on the Italians there, but uh, yeah. So so I think this 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 really shows the vulnerability of the system and 
uh, the, the, the senselessness of this zero COVID policy. I don't know how many people are still left who think this zero COVID policy is going to work. I don't know if this pandemic is eventually going to end because, you know, I was eventually told, well, with the cycle of COVID, maybe two years, two and a half years or something like that. At this point, it just seems that we got to live with it and get it occasionally as you just experienced. Yeah, I agree with you. And one of the things that economists are now discussing is that probably in the next couple of years, we're going to see uh, less globalization. So we're going uh, towards reducing globalization in the next years. And that is because countries are now more worried about producing and being self-sufficient in a lot of things. Uh, that is because, first of all, COVID, and second of all, the war in Ukraine, that showed that we cannot be uh, depend on uh, energy from other countries, we cannot depend on some grains from other countries, and stuff like that. So you were talking about planting banana, bananas in Norway, for example. Uh, that's something that probably science is going to evolve in the next couple of years to, for us to be able to do that, to be less dependent. And one thing that is happening right now is the World Economic Forum. And uh, you know that we don't like the World Economic Forum. We, we're not particularly fan uh, fans of of their work and the, and the things that they they praise. But uh, one of the things they are, they are trying to do is to incentivize globalization because it's part of the whole rhetoric that the start of a new fresh economy, the Great Reset, and all those things that they talk about. Uh, they are trying to uh, talk with with uh, political leaders, uh, companies to not give up on globalization and, uh, and, and free trade and what we have right now in order to be more nationalistic and produce and self-sufficient of some of the things that, 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 that are necessary for, for the country to, to go through those experiences, for example, a, a pandemic or war or whatever it is, those crises, uh, it's important uh, to, to continue to uh, defend free trade. And I agree with that. I think that we should continue to uh, be reliant on free trade and believe that the best way to do things is a country that produces this product better than the other country should be an expert in producing this, produce this, this particular product with the cheapest price available and make it available in high quantities for everybody to enjoy. Uh, but at the same time, we also need to uh, balance a little bit and protect ourselves from dependence in those, those scenarios. So I don't know what is the, the right balance uh, in terms of economy, uh, but for sure the COVID zero policy is one of the things that we, get, we need to get rid of. And you mentioned the World Economic Forum, and I think you painted some of the picture on sort of the, 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 the recent pessimism that people should have on the World Economic Forum, because usually you have this annually for the last uh, five years, at least, you had this self-flagellation on, 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 on climate uh, issues. And then, you know, the, the, the COVID policy hasn't been discussed too much because Davos was, was cancelled a few times. Now, I think still happening this week, uh, the, the World Economic Forum in Davos. And, and absolutely, I think the the free trade approach of, of what the World Economic Forum stands for is great, but ultimately, and I think this is probably going to be a, a, a bummer for, for people who are listening who have any type of conspiracy theories on the World Economic Forum, is that uh, it really isn't that efficient of a place. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting networking place for those of the listeners who don't know why this is actually happening in Davos. Usually this takes place in January. It's about between minus 15 and minus 20 degrees Celsius. So it's not a great place for protests, also because you have very narrow roads. So that's why usually these kind of events are protested quite a bit. If you look at the G20, for instance, a couple of years ago, was in Hamburg, it was mayhem, like all the protesters in Davos protesting, not really fun. And that's why they do it there. 
and, and the World Economic Forum, as as with some of these events all throughout the year, it's a place where leaders network on a sort of a less uh, less less formal basis, sort of an informal area for discussion. And then you have a mix of um, uh, of different advocates for different policies. You have companies with their houses, and it, it, it doesn't it. it it doesn't feel as, uh, as as effective. Having been there myself in 2020, because the Consumer Choice Center, we hosted an, an, an event on uh, a cannabis uh, legalization and sort of the cannabis market. Uh, having experienced that myself, I just, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not like a party conference where you can go in and talk to the politicians. It's sort of an open area. Here, depending on what badge you have, you might not even necessarily be able to walk through the main street. Um, and I'm not quite sure politicians are, are able to achieve any sort of policy prescription there. It, it, it helps for some leaders to connect, I suppose. I don't know which type of trade deals can also be discussed in these forums, but I'm very pessimistic as to its actual effect. Um, and now with people being a bit... Um, being a bit upset about sort of the lavish spending that happens in places like Davos right now, I, I, I also think that the the outside look of, of this event is not necessarily the best, even though I don't think uh, it tries to organize some, some type of conspiracy, because I think uh, that that really overestimates the effectiveness of these of these type of events. But speaking of effectiveness, I wanted to get to the last uh, topic of today. Uh, I wanted to talk about a consumer issue. Uh, a lot of people are using this right now. We all have smartphones in our pockets and we need to charge them. And wireless charging is available for most smartphone models. Um, and uh, and it's very popular. So it's a, it's a new way of doing it. It's sort of a convenient uh, way of charging your phone. I know that, uh, Fabio, right, you're using wireless charging as well for your phone? Yeah, I think you and I, we have something in common that we are early adopters of technology. So everything that comes out, we want to test. You, you'll test all the Apple products. We have also an Apple fan uh, friend that, that also buys a lot of <laughs> Apple products. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I really like wireless charging. So on paper, wireless charging has its benefits. Uh, benefits. So we said that one of the benefits, of course, is convenience. So I like to uh, just be able to simply plop my phone down on the mat and recharge it. Uh, also, one of the things that I like is it eliminates the potential wear and tear of charging ports and cables. So one of the things that always happen with me with uh, Apple cables is that they, they break at the, at the, the very famous tip. crack. Yeah, the famous the crack. Fam uh, <laughs> everyone and has headphones it. always happen that with Apple headphones. So it's one of the things that you don't have when you, you have a, a wireless uh, charger. And also the cleaner desk. So, for example, I'm sitting here on my, on my office. I have my desk. And when I arrive, I just put my phone on the, the wireless charging. I don't have to look for the cable. Where is the cable? It, it fell on the floor. Where I'm going to put the cable after I'm charging. It, the, the, the table looks very clean. It's very nice. So uh, consumers, I think they, they really like having all those benefits when, when they, are, they are looking for a wireless charger. And, and, and it's pretty good. It's pretty convenient. And it being integrated with so many different phones, the entire cable conversation that I know we had in the past also is kind of sort of solved because somebody visiting me in my place and needing a charger, well, the wireless charger is universal, exactly. right? I mean, that is the whole that is the whole approach. It is also very beneficial. I know that I, you know I would never buy any of their phones, but I know Huawei also has this thing where you can charge a phone with another phone. So, like, if you, you switch that on and you put it on there, your own phone becomes a wireless charger. But there are downsides. Uh, at least uh, uh, is being written in an article that I'm going to be putting in the description box of this um, 
of this podcast. This is on Medium and Jerry Hildenbrand um, is, is writing here. And uh, he, uh, did, he did a bit of a, an experiment on these different types of wireless chargers. And he found that on average, wireless chargers use 47% more energy. And he tried different ones. So there's the, apparently the best one is Google's Pixel stand, 39% more energy compared to using uh, a regular charging cable. And then there was a brand called Utech, uh, which uses 80% more energy. So this is actually uh, uh, Eric Ravenscraft at Medium. Sorry, that was the other article. I got a bit ahead of myself there. And... Um, and so the, uh, the the point here in, that he makes in his Medium article is that we haven't really quite considered the environmental impact because, well, if you calculate everyone switching to uh, wireless chargers, how much more energy would that use? And that is not just sort of the environmental question, but it's also sort of the consumer aspect, right? I mean, electricity is very expensive right now. We all know, we all see our utility bills. So is it really worth it to pay more to use wireless charging for the mere convenience of putting it on uh, that little stand but there's also other sides to that conversation and um, now it's Jerry Hildenman senior editor at uh, Android Central and he writes about this too and he brings up something that you've mentioned already sort of the the wear and tear of cables and he says um, that convenience factor goes beyond not having to plug your phone in too. Repeatedly, plugging in a charging cable causes wear and tear on both the cable and whatever is being plugged into. Many of us have seen a phone where you have to position the cable just right so that it can charge, and that's because wear has made the connection less solid. That is exactly why I use wireless charging whenever I can. Replacing both USB ports in phones is tricky if you know what you're doing and expensive if you don't. And then he finishes by saying, nobody has done a study about how much electricity is used to manufacture and sell replacement cables, but I'm willing to bet it's at least as much as wireless chargers can waste. When you add in the cost of repairing or replacing phones because of a failed charging port, I'm certain it's more. These costs could all disappear if every phone used wireless charging as the only way to charge the battery. So we see two sides to this conversation here. Um, Fabio, any thoughts about what you, what you just heard? I think there are also two additional um, downsides for, for wireless charging. The first one is that uh, power consumption also increases if you don't have the phone perfectly aligned with the charger. So this is one of the downsides if you used one before you know that you need to perfectly align, otherwise it doesn't charge or it doesn't perfectly charge. Uh, so this is one another downside and also heat issues. So depending on the wireless charger that you're using, uh, you have some heat issues on the device itself or on the charger. So that's something that usually you don't have with cables uh, and that is because you have coils inside the wireless chargers and you need to position the, the charger exactly where the coil is uh, on the on the phone and they need to be perfectly aligned. And if you remember, Apple um, tried to, to launch a product that was called AirPower. It was basically an Apple charging pad and you could place any Apple device on, on the surface. So you could put your Apple Watch or phone, whatever it is. 
but the good thing about this pro product is that you could place it anywhere on the mat. It would identify which product it was and it would charge in. So you didn't have to perfectly align, for example, your Apple Watch with the, the coil in the in the mat. You, you could place it anywhere and it would be automatically, automatically charging. And this is, of course, great benefit uh, compared to the, the wireless charging that we have right now. But the problem is that because it had so many coils inside to have this purpose of placing anywhere on the mat and would charge, uh, the heat in the mat was so high that the product could not be officially launched. So if you look at past presentations from Apple, I think two years ago before COVID, they, they proposed this product and they never talked about it anymore. And there are some rumors that maybe they are working on in the background, uh, but we, we, we are not sure. So it's a very complex technology. Uh, but when you look at the two arguments, uh, I think that consumers now are finding a third way. And the third way is the fast chargers which are cable chargers, but they charge your phone in 15 minutes or 20 minutes. So you would be willing to uh, give up the convenience of having your phone placed on a mat, which would take, I don't know, an hour or an hour and a half to fully charge your phone, to maybe in 15, 20 minutes have 19% charge and you just go on with your life. So uh, I don't know if we're going to find a solution to this uh, discussion or if technology is going to advance, we're going to find a new way to charge our phones that it's better, more efficient and uh, wireless charging is going to be obsolete. Also because wireless charging is not actually wireless because <laughs> the, the connection is wireless, but actually you, you, you're not walking at your home and your, your phone is being wireless charged. So uh, it's a misleading name, but um, yeah, that's that's what I think about that. Apple, Apple's product there sounds very interesting now totally i would probably totally buy that and 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 fast charging cables obviously um you know i i think most people would probably trade uh, whatever convenience of wireless chargers they would have for a, a, an option that that charges very quickly and you mentioned some of the downsides there i know my father in his uh, uh, midlife crisis switched to a bmw and then you have these wireless chargers as you have in many cars uh, now uh, these wireless chargers there but then he puts his phone on there and it overheats very quickly and i think that's also you know, as early adopters, we experience this, this this very commonly. Is that the first product that comes out, it's just not right. It just doesn't. It just doesn't do the trick. And then if you upgrade, and and then companies upgrade sort of the standard. And I think you know this this first article that I mentioned, uh, they also mentioned the differences between products. And if Google can make the best. Uh, uh, wireless charging phone stand in terms of energy consumption right now, uh, I, I think they can improve on that too. Another downside uh, of wireless charging, you mentioned it already, you can't walk around with your phone. I mean, you can't even really pick up your phone uh, to use it with it continuing to charge, right? I mean, Apple is trying to improve on that by having these magnetic charging with their own uh, magnetic, magnetic uh, uh, charging system now. It's also quite convenient and you can make like external batteries and all of that. I mean, ultimately, this comes down to sort of what is the battery capacity of the phone anyway? Like how often do you need to charge it? Because if you can go through your day, the entire day without charging it, then what you're charging it with doesn't necessarily matter as much because now most phones have these optimized charging periods in which it charges just exactly until your estimated wake up time. And I think that so that that will not necessarily be that important that it charges in 15 minutes because you just leave it on the cable or whatever you're using. Um, but but I think ultimately innovation solves a lot of these a lot of these problems. 
And that's why I hope the politicians don't read too much of these articles because they'll make <laughs> draw conclusions and be like, oh, I'm team cable, I'm team wireless. Ultimately, it's for consumers to choose. And, uh, and, and But yeah, I mean, there's also there's sort of a consumer uh, choice um, democratic vote type thing, right? Because where consumers buy the most is sort of where you have the most profits and where you have the most R&D potential to improve on your product, right? If people yeah. buy more wireless, then that's the product that will improve. And the same goes for cables. Now, I, the cables, I, I was using the iPhone cable maybe for a couple of months, and then I switched to sort of these these thicker cords, longer cables, because the, the cable is just not long enough. And so, you know, I, I, I upgrade and just for just for a few euros, you can do that on, on much better cables. Um, what is also interesting is like, you know, initially, I, I didn't do this. I have this, I have this three-in-one charger it charges my apple watch it's a magnetic charger for the iphone and a wireless charger all in one but then of course you plug that in as an as an as as the idiot that i am and then you put all three devices on there and they don't they don't all charge or one overheats and the other doesn't charge until you figure out you need also a brick that has the wattage to 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 go with it so you need to have a certain amount of uh not just convenience level but also a certain amount of knowledge and i think all of these things improve as well we now get bricks uh that that that, that have a lot more wattage uh, we get better products uh, sent to us with each individual new purchase so i'm very i'm very positive that um like understanding some of the concerns sort of the energy consumption but i don't think it's i, I do think it's a quite a temporary a problem for now and, and it's not going to be staying with us for a very long time i agree yeah absolutely so uh fabio i think that sort of covers it i'm glad we were able to talk both policy and consumer goods i i like that i think with liz we also did that last time when we talked sort of about the uh diet habits what is a good diet to follow and should you eat just meat or just broccoli uh people can debate that and choose for themselves so uh thank you fabio for joining us where can people find you on twitter and where can they find your podcast remind them yes so the name of the podcast is liberdade para escolher it's we have in all platforms so you can listen to it but also we have a youtube channel if you want to watch and see my my beautiful face um, it's good camera work it really it really <laughs> is well done i have to say Thank you, Bill. And if you want to search me on, on Twitter, it's Defaria e Silva. Uh, and probably it's going to be in the description of this, this, uh, this episode as well. Absolutely, it will be. Thank you so much for all the listeners for listening to this podcast. Thank you, for, thank you Fabio, for co-hosting with me uh, today. Uh, my name is Bill Words. This was Fabio Fernandez. And please follow the Consumer Choice Center as well at Consumer Choice C. Thank you and uh, see you Thursday. Bye-bye. You have to learn to pace yourself. Pressure. You just...